Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So, last episode, Aaron, we were talking about Boba Fett coming back? Yes, we were. We didn't even talk about the chance that... Oh, by the way, guys, spoiler alert. <laughs> we're talking about Mandalorian right now. So, shh, go away if you haven't seen it. Uh, we didn't talk about the possibility of Bo-Katan coming back. We did not. That did not come up at all. No, and oh my gosh, that episode... Honestly, my initial thoughts were like, okay, so the season has officially started. <laughs> that was... Like, that episode was really cool. Like, I, I'm trying to remember back to the first season and, like, if there were any better episodes in this one. I feel like this one might be my favorite episode that they've done yeah like the whole show yeah i think so i think so but i think it's because it has so many connections to things and we're kind of suckers for those connections yeah within the star wars universe so yeah i do love the connections and you know even just little things like it was kind of annoying to me that that din wouldn't take his helmet off that was yeah like and, new they thing. That. and then yeah. they address that so you're like oh now it makes sense in universe like whereas up to that point they never really explained it and mandalorians never really acted that way and you could kind of you know justify it in your head oh it's a different sect of mandalorians but it's nice to hear it spoken aloud like yeah. an actual explanation yeah and like the way they said it too was so funny they were like he's one of those yeah right and she had to explain you're a child of the watch and like you can clearly tell that the mandalorian in the story he really doesn't know anything about mandalore or mandalorian culture all he knows is Death Watch culture. That's it. Right, yeah. Which is kind of like, oh, okay. All right. He has a lot to learn. A lot to learn. Right, yep. Yeah. And then I I just want to talk about my favorite moment from episode 12, which is the one that just came out this past week. Um, Baby Yoda stealing that kid's, like, macarons. <laughs> he just straight up took up. He was like... Give me one. And he was like, no. And so Baby's like, fine. Brr, I'll force take him. Yeah, Baby Baby Yoda is revealing himself to be a rambunctious little child. But I love it. He it's, kind of reminds me of Quinn when he was younger. He's, he's, he's showing his personality, which I think is really funny. The first season we just got, you know, he's this cute little creature. And we're all like, oh, he's so adorable. I just want to pick him up. But now you're seeing that kind of like, you know, little rascal inside yeah, him, no, which he's is totally fun. he's totally like a two-year-old and the mando is the worst parent slash babysitter oh, slash caretaker terrible. you know i mean he's having him do like electrical repairs I, it's it, like the blue wire where the red wire don't touch them like why did you even give him that idea obviously he's gonna do it if you tell him not to do it you know who he reminds me of he reminds me of baby Groot. Like yeah, in uh, yeah. in Guardians of the Galaxy two, when he's like, "Don't push the button, push this button, not that button." Right. Yeah, I've heard that comparison that you know he's he's a little similar to Baby Groot, but her little Groot, or I don't know. I guess he was called Baby Groot. Yeah, I don't know what stage 
I mean, we go through all stages with Groot. Seedling becomes... Groot. Seedling Groot, baby Groot, <laughs> teenage, teenage Groot. Groot. <laughs> uh, another great character. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's going in a good direction. I mean, we saw uh, Grief Cargo come back, Cara Dune. They mentioned Moff Gideon. So we're starting to get more into the story. I just hope they don't divert and give us another fluffy episode. You know? Like, yeah. I mean, they're like in... just filler fluff stuff. We don't have enough episodes for fluff. They're introducing so many things now that's almost like where would they even put fluff at this point? But yeah, I mean, even the idea like these clones that they just discovered and you know, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot that's still... wait. What clones? Are you talking? Oh, oh, you're right. You're right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I got it. I'm yeah. Done. <laughs> yeah, like so. I think that I think they're kind of tying in to you know they're trying to kind of bridge the gap between what happens at this point in the history and what's going to happen with the emperor and with the first order there's going to be some connection so it's really cool to see them start to to kind of go down that road <laughs> yeah and there was something else oh so in episode 11 that one's directed by bryce dallas howard i don't know if you caught it on your initial watching i did now, I didn't post about it on social media, but I noticed it. Did you catch all of the Easter eggs that she put in there uh, in reference to Apollo 13, which was directed by her dad? No, I know you're a huge Apollo 13 fan, so it doesn't yeah. surprise me that you caught the Easter eggs. I was not looking for or don't know that I would have seen them. Did you? Have you seen anybody post about them? I since? saw a couple. Yeah, I did see some people post that she had done some homages, which were really cool. But no, yeah, there's right. there's like three three specific ones, and you can look for them. Mostly, it's it, when the Mandalorian ship is going into land on the planet, and you see the it's just kind of like free falling, and you see the flames kind of coming up around the bottom of the ship and on the side. That's a scene that you see in Apollo 13 when the Apollo 13 capsule is re-entering the atmosphere. You see that. And then there's condensation on the control board on the inside of the capsule, and it's kind of flying in the astronaut's faces. She did that as well. And then there was – there's one other one. But I remember seeing those and going, oh, Apollo 13. And then at the end, and I saw it was directed by her, I was like, oh, well, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's got, she's been, both of her episodes have been really good, so. Oh, yeah. I think that she's auditioning for more, I think. I feel That's like, right. you know, we might not, we might see a Star Wars movie directed by her someday. Yeah. Man, okay, well, speaking of really awesome women that are out there, as most of our listeners probably know, we have a good friend. Her name is Amy Ratcliffe, and we decided to make this episode the Amy Ratcliffe extravaganza. <laughs> I put that in the show notes. I didn't think you were going to say it. Yeah. I mean, it basically is. So Amy had three, essentially three books come out right on top of each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and she has been wanting to, I mean, obviously she did Women of Star Wars, but she's been wanting to write Star Wars books for a long time, like forever. It's been like one of her biggest goals. And now she kind of technically has four Star Wars books, which is incredible. And she's done all over the like the spectrum. I mean, she did like a almost encyclopedia style. Uh, well, I don't know what you call it, reference book. Mm -hmm. Then she's done a fictional short story. She's done a children's book, and she's done a, for lack of a better term, self help book. 
Right. Like yeah, she's, she's it is. in like yeah. so many different categories. It's like, okay, wow, you are multifaceted in your writing. I mean, I already knew that about her, but like it did this just proves it. It's awesome. Yeah, and you, I always hear that when it comes to, you know, these type of, you know, industries, the people that get to work are the people that people like to work with, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think people really like to work with her. So it's really cool that she got, you know, these three books kind of right they all released within this within a week of each other. Yeah. So, um, you know, we were kind of looking at what we were going to cover for our November episode, and we had talked about doing Jedi Mind, but we didn't know if that was going to be enough. You know, oh, is that enough to really do a, whole, a full episode on? But then you were like, well, she did the, you know, she did that children's book, and then she had a story in, you know, from a certain point of view, so maybe we could just do all of them in one episode. And I was like, yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah. So. And – uh, recently, so I don't know if you know this, but Fangirls Going Rogue on Thursdays does the thing, this thing on Instagram Live called Thursdates, where sometimes it's two of us or whatever, but we actually did an interview of sorts with Amy, and so you can find that on our Instagram highlights uh, at FG Going Rogue, and it was kind of an interview, just kind of like a chit-chat, and she talked about, you know her experience doing these different books and stuff like that. I didn't get to hear the whole thing, but uh, she was really excited about it. And then also I know, uh, Amy, if you do listen to this, congratulations on your wedding anniversary. She was celebrating that a couple of days early the other day. So, hooray, Amy. Big big month for her. It's a big month. (laughs) And I guess we we typically wait a month, you know, before we review books, just because we really don't like to spoil people or give people a chance to read them. These books, we're not waiting quite a month. By the time this episode comes out, it'll probably be a little less than a month. But they're also not the kind of books that you're typically worried about spoilers from. Yeah, there's not really any spoilers here. Uh, They're quick reads, and, you know, it's not like an integral part of the universe that we're talking about. I guess Ellie and me, you know, if you don't want to know what happens to the little pet, then maybe don't listen. But (laughs) Okay, well, let's actually, let's start with Ellie and me. Okay. Just because I think Ellie and Me is one of the cutest books that we've <laughs> seen. Maybe the only one that compares in cuteness is Chewie and the Porgs. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, That's true. That was really cute. But Ellie and Me was published by Disney Lucasfilm Press, obviously written by Amy Ratcliffe. It has wonderful art by Anna Davis Court, and it came out on November 3rd. So just a really short publisher summary here. Salju, and that name should sound familiar to some of you if you've been reading uh, the Star Wars books. Let's see, we first heard Salju in, was that Black Spire by Delilah Dawson? I think so. I believe so. Salju and her pet Ellie are the closest of friends. They love having adventures together all around Black Spire Outpost. But as Ellie gets older, she gets bigger and bigger, which causes bigger and bigger problems. Salju must figure out what is the best thing to do for her very best friend. And I just, like, this is cool. And it's cool for a couple of reasons. One, it introduces an animal that we haven't ever really seen before. But it reminds me of that one animal from Avatar. Um, <laughs> I can never remember that thing's name. The big, oh, Appa. fluffy Bantha thing. Well, yeah, Appa. Oh, that's right. When you <laughs> said when you said Avatar, I was thinking Avatar. You know, not the Last Airbender, but the other one. So, oh, I'm sorry, okay. yeah. Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh yeah, it definitely does remind me of that. 
Um, and I thought, looking at this this creature, I thought this was an established creature already. Apparently, the name, the species name, was fir- is this is the first time that we've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that this book. So I don't know why. I think I had seen it in some of the advertising for Galaxy's Edge or something like, or at least a creature that looked a lot like it. Yeah, the art style for this book is just so cool and it's just really cute it's very i don't know there's something about it it's simple yet like really detailed and they kind of do it a little bit like comic strip and then you have some full page layouts too so you get lots of different you know ways to do this and of course it's a and i hate this term you and i have talked about this all the time but it's a kid's book but I don't mean that in a demeaning way. Like, I don't know how to say that without it giving me those demeaning feelings. <laughs> I feel like when you call something a kid's book, you automatically make it, like, childish. Like it's only for like, kids. Like, it's only for kids. Like, like adults it's not, couldn't read it. Like, it's not worth checking out. And that is absolutely not the case with Yeah, this it's book. the target audience, for sure, is the are children. This And this is probably, you know, even more so than some of the other books that we've talked about this is about as children's book as you can get. You know, it's kind of that typical book you would expect with the, even the shape of it, the, um, you know, the hard, you know, kind of the hardback style with the really long pages that are fully illustrated with a little bit of text on each page. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. the kind of books you read to your kids. Um, yeah. And which I is great, imp- you know, for, you know, especially for parents, this is a great book, um, you know, to, to do that kind of bedtime story. Well, and I think another important part of it is that it is a part of that Galaxy's Edge trading outpost collection that they're releasing with Target. Like, it's it's a book that has come from Galaxy's Edge. Like, the story is from there. So, and I like that they're still doing product for that, you know, and that they're releasing it to where you can get your hands on it. So, yeah. I know that, I know that, like, we got ours at Target, but I don't know if it's available anywhere else. Yeah, it said um, mine when I got it at Target. It said it's a Target exclusive, so I think they only sell it at Target right now. Um, yeah, and but it's it's just so cute. And essentially, Salju is a little girl, and her dad travels around the galaxy, and he brings her back this little pet. And it is a is it a theory? Theory is that yeah, how think... you pronounce that? It's T H E R I I. And Basically, it looks like Appa from Avatar or a bantha with big curly horns. Yeah, it's kind of like a snow bantha. Like, it, like a snow, yeah, yeah, like a snow bantha animal of some sort. Right, yeah. Which I think it is the same species as they had used in some of the advertisements for Galaxy's Edge. Um, because yeah. I know there was supposed to be even like a ride at one point. Mm-hmm where you would actually get to ride one of these and it actually showed up in the kind of the early app uh, for Galaxy's Edge. You could see an image of oh, one yeah. of these. So I, I remember seeing that. So when I read this book, I was like, wow, I, th- I think that's the same species, but they never really gave that species a name because they never, you know, they never developed that ride to the point where people actually got to see it. So I don't think the, you know, they really talked much about that species, but now we're getting to see, you know, some representation of what maybe that was supposed to be. Yeah, and I would like to ask Amy that question. Like, hey, did you base this off that? 
because Amy did work with a company that was working with the Disney parks for Galaxy's Edge specifically. Right. She was very involved in Galaxy's yeah. Edge stuff. So I, I feel like this is probably a species that's based on something that, you know, was supposed to exist in Galaxy's Edge. Well, and I like how they mentioned like the creature stall and the mm-hmm. character from the, or the, you know, the character who runs the creature stall and you know they reference a lot of different areas actually that we have heard of whether it's through other books or when you visited you know the actual galaxy's edge and so basically the whole book is Saoji learning to take care of her little new friend and then of course her little friend starts growing and starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger and is eventually this big huge giant giant thing right giant ammo thing and it doesn't fit anywhere right too big for her to take care of and you know kind of that typical story that you get of you know having to eventually release an animal to the wild and kind of say the sad goodbyes yes yes absolutely and so she discovers out in like the in the valley, I forget the name of the valley, but she discovers that there's like a whole herd of these animals and she takes Ellie there, you know, several times to get acclimated to the area. And then she lets Ellie live there and, but she goes to visit her all the time. Yep. And it seems like she gets another one at the end. There's yeah, a, it seems like it. There's an image of her having another one, so maybe her dad we're just still best friends, <laughs> and maybe Ellie had a baby. I don't know. Oh uh, yeah, but... maybe a baby. Yeah. Or maybe that's just like a flashback. Yeah. Maybe that's Ellie's baby, and she's hugging Ellie's baby. Maybe we'll get a novel. <laughs> maybe you'll like, get a novel. This is... <laughs> but I think it's really cool that you use the same character that Salju. Sal you know, you know, we do see her in Black Spire and in um, Crash of Fate. Yep. And so it's kind of cool that they, they didn't just create a, a new character that they could have done for this book, but they actually took a character that we've already read about in these adult and YA novels. Yeah. And now they're doing like a children's book um, with that same character. So, you know, as kids grow up and, you know, read the YA novel, maybe for the first time, they might be like, oh my goodness, that's the, the same character that I read about when I was a little kid, you know? So I like how they're, they're using some of these characters consistently. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next one, which is Heroes of the Rebellion, coming from the Empire Strikes Back version of From a Certain Point of View. This came out on November 10th. I highly recommend if you get one of these From a Certain Point of View books, don't press yourself to read it in any specific order because it honestly doesn't matter. Like, you can find little summaries of each story and just kind of read a little snippet and see if it's a story that you're interested in. Uh, A lot of the authors have posted stuff on social media as well. I mean, just go through it. I mean, they give you a, uh, they give you a table of contents that shows you all of the stories and like who wrote what. So that is an option. So you do not have to go through and read every single story. I don't think that's the best way to do it. Also, I do have the audiobook for this. And we're not doing a full review of this book just yet. We're going to just talk about Amy's story. But I do want to mention that the story in the audiobook that Katie Cook wrote is hilarious. Oh, how they do that? Because I was wondering how they would do that because it's, it's a only comic a minute strip. long, okay. and it's basically just like the sounds 
<laughs> Nick grunts from the comic. It's really great, though. This is one because of how it is and just these short stories that I don't think I would ever do the audiobook. I, and I don't think I will this time either. I didn't for the last one. Um, because, hey, I don't know, I, I guess they get celebrities. Did they do that this time around too? Um, I know last time they did. Yeah, they had some people. Let me see if I can, if, I don't know if I have, so, you know, obviously we get the audiobooks as PR too, but I also get, um, you know, I'll get them for my actual Audible account too. Yeah, I do the so, same thing. But, I'm but this one I was kind of, I typically don't do them just because of the way the stories are. I, I like to just, you know, read through it real quick. Um, I liked to review the audiobooks. That's the difference. Well, isn't that, well, you said like, you know, you prefer to kind of jump around. Isn't that tough on an audiobook? I guess you can just jump right no, to it's a specific. By, the way they do from a certain point of view is by chapters oh, and okay. the names of the stories. Okay, cool. So they said, this may not be the full list, but Jonathan Davis, Sean Keenan, Elias Reyes, we've heard him do. He did uh, Myths and Fables, I believe. Diane Graham, John Hamm, January Lavoie, um, Sonila Nankani, Mark Thompson, Sam Witwer, Emily Wu Zeller. So there's, there's, you know, and I don't know again if that's all of. But there's some. Know, there's a couple name recognizable names in there. John Hamm, but he did the last one too. Yeah, because he does Boba Fett. I think is what I remember. He did Boba Fett in the last one, so he probably does it again in this one. So something else I like about this book is and they put the page numbers like right on the edge mm -hmm. of the pages, like on the actual edge if you were flipping through. You know how you would normally flip through and you grab the center of a page and or center of the book and you flip through the pages to try to see the corners? Well, they put those numbers right there on the edge of the page. And honestly, when I saw that, I had immediate like Bible flashbacks. I don't know why. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's like a Bible. <laughs> you, you quickly put it down i was like uh hey no i'm catholic but like you know it's like okay so anyway we're getting too story, much into the book we're only supposed to review one of the stories we are her story we gotta save the actual review of the oh, from a certain point of view get there her story is starts on page hold up hold up i almost had it i almost had it 67. <laughs> Heroes of the Rebellion. It's a 28-minute story in the audiobook. It did not take me 28 minutes to read it because I did actually just read this. Yeah. But I did listen to, like, the first five minutes so that I could kind of comment on the audiobook. Production is really good. Uh, this one, whoever was reading it, sounded really, really monotone, though. That was one thing I kind of didn't like. But they did have Tauntaun sound effects. So nice. Where's that? Yeah. Okay. So, so this story, it centers around Corwy Selgroth. Selgroth. Trying to remember how they said it. And she is a Rebel Alliance propagandist. Right. Which is an interesting, interesting choice for a, a character to show up in this book. Interesting choice, but also a character that Amy got to make up. So that's kind of cool. And I know the character is kind of a, you know, a character is a writer in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of interesting that Amy chose that. I wonder if like using her own kind of experiences and trying, you know, the, the character talks about, you know, trying to meet Han and Luke and Leia so she can yeah. write 
and use them to kind of excite people to join the rebellion. And I'm thinking, I wonder, Amy's probably had similar experiences, you know, where she's going to these conventions and she's wanting to meet these, you know, celebrities so she can write about them. And so it's kind of interesting. Um, I'd, I'd be curious to ask her, maybe, maybe you guys did on your, your short interview with her, but I didn't hear it if they did, but that would be interesting to kind of ask her what the, if that was, if that had any kind of influence on it. Yeah. And I do, I do know that she was really nervous about doing this. I did hear this part because she hadn't written a short story in years upon years upon years. Mm -hmm. So she turned this in and was like, okay, well, good luck. I don't know if you're going to like it. And she's not really like a novelist by any that means. well at this point. Right. And so I think like I didn't know what to expect reading this, honestly. And so when I read it, I was like, you would never know. I didn't no. read this and think, oh, you know, she's written other stuff. So they kind of threw her a bone. Like I never would have known that she'd never written a full length. I mean, maybe she has, but I, not that I'm aware of like a full full length novel that's been published. Um, so, you know, I think she this is a great kind of stepping stone for her maybe where she can do mm -hmm. a longer form story for them eventually. And I do want to say that, you know, regardless of the fact that she's our friend, like if the story wasn't great, I mean, we would obviously, we would say that, but I can honestly say that I did have a moment when I was reading through this, that I recognized that I was really falling into the story, even though it was so short, I was really getting like immersed and felt like I was in, you know, echo base. And I was like, you know what? God, A, and I pulled myself out of it. And I'm like, Amy does a really good job telling a story. I mean, she's descriptive enough without being overly descriptive. She's She has a good flow and a good pacing, you know, and she developed this character very well-roundedly. I mean, obviously, if there was more to the story, we would know more about her. But I feel like we got a really good understanding of this character in such a short amount of pages. Yeah. And the one thing I liked about this story is a lot of the other stories are focused around characters that we know, you know, mm -hmm. in this book, you, you see the name and you're like, okay, I know that character. You can are, you already have some built in opinions about that character, kind of know what that character looks like. But this was an interesting choice where she went with a completely original character and so she's kind of already working at a disadvantage to keep you interested. Like if you, if I'm flipping through, honestly, if I don't know Amy and I'm just flipping through for the stories that I want to read first, this is probably not one that I would look at because I'm like, I don't know who this core we Selgroth is. Like it's not that interesting to me. But the message that this story has is actually, you know, that's the strength of this story was kind of the message and not necessarily the character. Yeah, and this is a really, like, I would say hidden gem of, from a certain point of view. For that reason, exactly. It's an original story. It's original character. It's not somebody that you have any preconceived notions about. But I do really like that they talk about the imperial propaganda. And then they, they talk about creating propaganda for the Rebel Alliance and how important that is to recruitment. And we know that, you know, especially from the sequel trilogy, being able to get people to join your cause is huge. And I just love that Amy threw in Jen Erso into this story and things that Jen Erso said. It's like, yes, you know, and she throws in other characters and things that have happened in the galaxy up to this point as you know, just, I don't know, I don't know what, but like just more oomph. And I, 
I think I she was a good word because <laughs> she was kind of implying that she was, you know, she was actually there. The character was there to capture that moment, right? Mm-hmm. That Jin Erso said the, you know, rebellions are built on hope, and it's kind of like that perfect propaganda's, you know, catchphrase, <laughs> right? Uh, but she was actually there. I think that's kind of what I picked up from it. Um, well, but... that and then, and then. You know, just being able to pick up on good moments, get good images, like everything for her is about. And they make a point to say that she is committed to bolstering the truth, not lying or embellishing or anything, but just, you know, making it larger, you know, which I think is really good because she had experience being roped into the Empire that she was having to write things that were lies and Mon Mothma had to get this character out and, you know, brought her over to the rebel Alliance. But I think the bigger part of the story is the true message of hope that this character finds. She almost has like this whole self revelation that the heroes of the rebellion are not just Luke, Leia and Han. And that her propaganda doesn't need to be just centered around these big figures. Because that's originally where she starts, right? Is that these, she wants interviews with Luke, Leia, and Han. They're the driving force. Everybody wants to see them. And she realizes throughout this story that, wait, that's not necessarily true. Right. Yeah, it's all the other people that are, you know, on that base that are supporting everything that's going on. And she runs into that one soldier Mm-hmm. you know who she's kind of trying to find her way to the to the correct transport and he takes his time to help her you know yeah and she sees that you know he values just that one single life and that's really where the strength in the rebellion is and yeah it's it's pretty cool to see and that's where this story started to really kind of pick up for me as I was reading through it and it's a short story but I was kind of reading through like okay you know this is interesting nothing too exciting but then as that's starting to kind of be revealed and that revelation's happening in, in this uh, character's brain, that's where I was like, ah, like, okay, all right, nice, nice slow burn. But it really kind of hits you by the end. It does. And I think the other thing that hit me too is how, and this has been happening a lot lately to me, but how applicable the story is to real life right now, you know, and how if you can open your mind and be able to see things from different angles that you can. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like that you can, you can have a whole new perspective on things. And I feel like that is just really, really true right now. There's well, just even some... with us going through the pandemic and I know we yeah. haven't talked about it a ton on the show just because we don't like to have a downer, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> with, you know, kind of essential workers, people that are kind of on the front lines are not the most heralded people a lot of times. And I think that's kind of part, partly the message of this story is really the people that are kind of doing really what matters are a lot of times the people that don't get all the praise. Um, and that's really what she's recognizing here. Yeah, absolutely. And it is true. Like there's all these small little things that contribute to the success of something, even to the success of like hopefully getting the pandemic under control soon, you know, and there's all these people out there that are doing small things that are contributing to that. I I like the, the Han Solo, the, the, the little Han Solo cameo was funny. Oh yeah. That was Cause funny. he's just so Han, 
in that moment where it's exactly how Han would act if somebody tried to kind of come up and get a couple, you know, lines from him in an oh, interview yeah. as he's and prepping his totally, ship. I totally heard his voice too of saying, like, look, sweetheart. He's, you can yeah. go talk. He, he eventually tells her just to go talk to Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, actually, that's not a bad idea. And I do kind of like that little, that little nod of like, he's a hero of the rebellion too. You know, like oh, it yeah. kind of goes yeah, back right. to the metal, the metal ceremony. I was like, hey. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's a good short story, and it's definitely worth checking out. Actually, I mean, the whole From a Certain Point of View book is good to check out, especially for just, like, little bite-sized nuggets of, of some Star Wars. And it actually could also be used as a mindfulness practice if you wanted to. And that's a segue into <laughs> Amy's other book. The Jedi Mind. Okay, I was so excited about this when this was announced. I was flipping out. So let's talk about, or let's. I'm going to give you guys the publishing information and then I'll explain why. But it was published by Disney Lucasfilm Press. Author is Amy Ratcliffe, the illustrator, great art, Christina Chung. And it was released on November 10th of 2020 as well. Okay, so first, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Before this book, did you have any kind of reference or done or looked into mindfulness? I feel like you're calling me out here. No, I'm honestly asking. I don't <laughs> you know, know me the pretty answer. well. I do, um... <laughs> but I don't I don't actually know the answer to this. Not so this is something I learned through reading this book is because no. I, my answer to that would be no. I I haven't actively you know, try to do any of this type of stuff or even knew what some of this stuff was. Um, but what I did learn as I'm going through it is that I was kind of already doing some of these things, just not knowing that that's what it was called, uh-huh. you know, to mm-hmm. like ways to center yourself or to get out in nature, um, you know, yeah. that type of stuff where it's like, oh, I do that kind of on my own. Um, I, without I, I realizing that you're practicing mindfulness. Exactly. Without, so. without knowing. Okay. Okay. So, so when I'm... I'm kind of, I'm not the opposite, but basically as a part of, how am I going to say this? Okay, so, I mean, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but I struggle with two mental health disorders. I have extreme, like, high-functioning anxiety and depression, and I'm medicated for both. And through my therapy and stuff like that that I've been going through since I was, like, 12, one of the things that my... Um, what are my coping tools is mindfulness. And I kind of lost sight of that for a good long while, like through college and into my early mid twenties. And then, um, as I started dealing with some challenges and stuff, I was like, you know, I really need to pick up that practice again, but it had been so long since I'd done it that I needed to kind of like go back and sort of research and stuff. So within the last couple of years, I've been working on mindfulness practices and meditation. And when the pandemic started, I started to have a lot of trouble sleeping to the point that like I was just not sleeping and I still am struggling with that. You know, I've talked about that. Like I don't, I don't sleep well. And one of the things that I've been doing almost every night is I do a mindfulness meditation to go to sleep. And I specifically do a sleep meditation, which helps to relax 
my body, doing body scans, mind scans, and starting to help sort through the things in my head to shut everything down, almost like a computer, mm-hmm. like shutting down every process to help you go to sleep. And when I do that, the nights I do that, I actually get good deep sleep. And the way I know that is because I track it with my watch, my Apple watch, because <laughs> I have a paid for app called Auto Sleep that actually registers my heart rate and my deep sleep patterns. And so I can actually see the correlation like in between the two, which is really, really cool. Uh, and then something else I do, and I started this just a couple months ago, is I set up, because in your, if you have an Apple device, I'm sure it exists on other devices, but it does actually have a mindfulness tracker as a part of the health app. And so I have it set that I try to do um, five to 10 minutes of mindfulness a day is my goal right now, or 15, 15 minutes of mindfulness a day. And that could be the Apple Watch Breathe exercises that sometimes it triggers you to do. It can be from meditation or mindfulness apps that I have on my phone. But this is stuff that like I actively do. So when this book came out, I was like, yes, more fun exercises to do to help me with my brain stuff. Well, when I was reading the introduction to this book, I instantly was like, oh, this is right up Teresa's alley. Yeah, you were like, this is this is Teresa. Yeah, this is stuff I know you're doing. Like, I've heard you talk about it before. A lot of it was, I mean, I've heard about it, but I, it was a little foreign to me, some of the terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like, as I'm going through it, it's talking about, you know, journaling something or taking down, uh-huh. you know, taking yes. notes. I'm like, oh, this is all stuff I know Teresa does. Yeah. It didn't, like, definitely areas of this book I could completely connect with and be like, oh, I could see myself really thinking about that and doing that. Um, to kind of de-stress or calm myself down. But then other things in it were like more stressful to think about, like the idea of having to get out a notebook and start to like write down my thoughts. I'm like, no, no, that was, well, that's not for me. That's that's the beautiful part about this book. This book is essentially like 78 pages of different types of mindfulness exercises. Some of them are going to be for you. Some of them are not going to be for you. And the most important thing in my opinion, when it comes to mindfulness is finding exercises that you can do that will center you and calm you and calm your mind and allow you to be able to reflect upon yourself and the world around you. That is the, like the whole purpose. And I just want to read something here that Amy puts at the very beginning, because she has an introduction that talks about like how she's tying mindfulness into Star Wars and like what it is for her. And then she puts these little bullets off to the side and she says, things to know about mindfulness, that it encompasses so much more than only meditation. So if meditation isn't for you, don't worry. Meditation is only one way to practice mindfulness, which is absolutely true. I actually had to do research on that to learn the difference between meditation and mindfulness and that they are two different things. And then she said that mindfulness is accessible. You don't need to acquire any equipment. You don't need to go to classes. You can take a yoga class, but all you need to practice mindfulness is an open mind. So if you can open your mind to pay attention to yourself this is going to be like great for you. And honestly, if you struggle with that, this is also good for you because learning those skills, I feel is really, really important in self-reflection for you. And I feel like a lot of people 
are scared of that. They're scared of listening to themselves or understanding why they reacted a certain way or why they did a certain thing or said a certain thing. And I feel like you are only going to grow and become a better version of you if you can, if you can, you know, acknowledge all of those things about yourself and mindfulness kind of helps you get there. Right. And if people are, people might be hesitant to look at a book like this, typically, like you wouldn't, there might be people that would never go to a a section of a bookstore where they would find a mindfulness book. But because they because um, they've tied it in with Star Wars themes, it brings in a whole new audience, probably, where they're like, oh, cool, like Yoda's on the cover of this book. You know, let me pick that up. And, you know, as a fan of like layout and design, Mm -hmm. this book is laid out so perfectly because you can literally flip through to any page and they have right on the top in really bold font kind of what the focus of that specific page is. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I flipped open to page 31, it's like compassion and kindness. And so you can flip through and just catch any of those that catch your eye and just be like, oh, I'm going to stop on this page. And then on the left column, it's a r- example from Star Wars, how it's connected. And then on the right side, it's like little bullet points on how to practice that. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's how the whole book's laid out. So it's really awesome um, just because you don't really find yourself you know, kind of getting bored looking through this because it's so well laid out. You can just flip to any page and get, you know, a nugget of, of uh, goodness. Yeah. And I would encourage, I mean, this is totally a Teresa thing to do, but it may be helpful for some people. You can get colored sticky notes or get um, those little tab things that are like different colors. They come Mm -hmm. in like a little pack and you can assign certain colors to certain things. And you can tap them. stressing me out. Oh, how? Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> so, like, for me, like, if it was something that would be something I would do, like, to go outside or, like, to connect with nature, maybe. I would maybe use, like, a green one, you know, and, like, put those little tabs on all of those. So that I know when I'm looking for a mindfulness practice to connect with, to connect with the world and to ground me, that I can turn to one of those like it would just be a way for me to organize them for myself right you know and that may help some people that may not or you could just have the ones that you really like you know that would be the other thing and for example like i opened up to page 13 which is the importance in everything and there's also a star wars quote that ties into the mindfulness practice as well so this quote is from luke skywalker and it says the force is not a power you have it's not about lifting rocks it's the energy between all things the tension the balance that binds the universe together so this particular practice is called mindful immersion and i actually did this the other day not uh not intentionally doing knowing I was doing mindful immersion, but this is a mindfulness practice that I've done before. So I'm just glad that it was in here, but it says, choose one of your least favorite or mundane chores, um, folding laundry, putting away clothes, (laughs) (laughs) hate it. And it says next time you need to do this chore, do it very deliberately. Let go of everything else except for the task and wholly engage into it. Pay attention to each step in action. Use your senses. Notice any sensations your body has while you work. Perhaps you'll discover something unexpected, even enjoyable about a routine. Sure. And I did do this. And I 
recognize that I fold certain kind of shirts in a certain way, that I put shirts and pants and stuff on hangers in a certain way, that I have a very organized way of how I do it, that I was like, okay, OCD. And then... (laughs) But then I also noticed that I really enjoyed feeling like the different textures of my clothes and that I have certain textures that I seem to gravitate towards, you know? So it was one of these moments where I like had this very connection, very like connected to to my clothes, which is dumb, but like it sounds dumb. It's not dumb. Let me go back. It's not dumb. It's actually really, really good for me to recognize why I buy certain things that I buy, why I gravitate towards certain things of certain colors. And it's just like, I hadn't really taken the time to just appreciate that small little thing before. Right. It was, it was nice. I'm just, I'm just saying it was nice. And there's a lot of that in this book, you know, taking your time, taking things in, you know, I, I, I could connect with some of these that are around things like that, or there was one, I forget exactly which one it was, but it was talking about, you know, just when you have your coffee, you know, just taking, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. enjoy the warmth that of it, is, enjoy the um, smell. Like that's the, that's be here now. That's on yeah. page 41. It's the practice is called savoring. I love to do this. I love to do this. Okay. So you and I are both big coffee drinkers. Yeah. Big coffee drinkers. And I know this is something you and I both love to do. Do you want me to read the practice? You read it. You have no, the book you read right it. There. You read it. You read it. You read it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Why? Because I'm really excited. You're just about really this excited. Stuff. I want to. You just keep going with the energy. <laughs> okay. So savoring. Choose an activity you do every day. Maybe it's drinking coffee or walking to a bus stop. It can be something that just takes a few minutes. Use your senses to savor the activity. Think about each sip of coffee as a physical experience. Notice its heat aroma and flavor tune into the sounds and sights while you stroll any activity no matter how seemingly mundane can be enlivened and activated by paying it careful attention and noticing everything you can about it you are here i want to read the star wars like how it ties into star wars for this one before young anakin ignites his pod racer engines about to face danger in a race few humans are capable of participating in jedi master qui-gon jinn offers a guidance to center anakin's mind he cautions anakin to be present in the moment important advice because in a pod race distraction and overthinking can lead to a fiery crash life is richer when we make an effort to be aware of what is around us and how we relate to those surroundings in the moment so true Okay, I have an example for you of a way that you do this or used to do this. Okay. So I would notice sometimes that you would take pictures and post them on Instagram from walks you had been on when you were at work, Uh. when you used to go to work. (laughs) (laughs) And that is a way of savoring the moment. You used to go on a walk from work to clear your head and to sort of center yourself and i mean correct me if i'm wrong but did you do this when you were walking yeah yeah see See? absolutely no that's why i could really connect with some of these things like i said i wasn't really realizing i never would have called it mindfulness or realizing i was kind of doing these things but it's just something where as i read it i'm like oh i do that i just didn't know what to call it and you know even you know kind of taking everything in when you're out like really enjoying the sound the smell the feel of things uh going out into nature like that type of stuff is really something i i regularly practice 
And mm-hmm. so it was kind of cool to see it kind of listed out in this book. And I think right now with everything we have going on in the world, creating a mindfulness habit is really like something that could help a lot of people because we're, we've had to so drastically change everything about the way that we live our lives. And I think being able to find that center in yourself right now is just so huge. Uh, there's one on 40 page 46 called see the bigger picture. And I love this one because the illustration is Ewoks. Uh, yes. Okay, but, yeah. uh, the practice though, the name of the practice is awesome. It's called forest bathing. Uh, I was like, what? (laughs) Take a bath in a forest? Okay. Uh, No, it's find a nearby green space. It doesn't have to be a literal forest, just somewhere that you feel surrounded by nature with space to wander. Choose a flat trail or an area to explore. Walk slowly, observe and experience the area, open your senses, breathe slowly and deeply, see how sunlight filters through the trees, listen to the sounds, the calls of creatures and insects, and the rustling of leaves. Sit beneath a tree and feel the bark against your back. Bathe yourself in its peace. So I don't really have areas around me that this kind of stuff is accessible. So my version of forest bathing right now is sitting on my balcony and just kind of taking in the sounds of the environment around me, you know, and there's birds and wind and so I'm on a third story. Uh, And sometimes I'll do forest bathing and savoring at the same time because I'll have my coffee outside. Yeah. And I leave my phone inside and it's just me and my coffee and my enjoying the sounds of cars outside. <laughs> <laughs> you can tune the cars out, but I usually do. I actually do. The funniest thing about where I live is across the road from me is like a retirement home. And I guess they have like a courtyard or something. And within the last year, they've started playing music. And it just travels over the air so I can hear it. And sometimes I'm just like, I catch myself like kind of dancing. <laughs> the sounds of nature. <laughs> no, but I'm lucky enough. I'm lucky enough that where I live, I do have pretty easy, easy access to a lot of kind of more, you know, nature areas, a lot of, a lot of trails I can walk on and stuff. And even just my, where I live, like my house, I can kind of go sit in the backyard and watch animals. So I, yeah, it's one of my favorite things to do. There's also a lot of really good art in this book. Oh, yes. Which um, I really like. Do you have any favorites? Uh, I mean, the, the ones that stand out to me, I just I love the one where um, it's on page 40, Qui-Gon. Oh, He's like yep. sipping on a cup of tea or calf or something. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And then the one with uh, Kanan. On oh, page 50 yeah, where he's meditating is, is pretty cool because he's a favorite character of mine. Yeah, that's a good one. There's also just really awesome Star Wars quotes in here too. Which, yeah. Okay. Like I love on 42, it goes with gratitude and it's Ahsoka and Anakin. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. But... Oh, another great one is Lyra and Jen. You know, so she she uses a lot of stuff. There's a good cheer it too yeah and she does she goes across the whole spectrum of star wars Mm -hmm. with this book which uh, it's cool to see those characters even from rogue one pop up in here um although every time i see lyra it makes me sad it does make me sad every single time but yeah it's a really it's and it's really like it's a great size the book is it's almost a perfect square very small um kind of easy to just take with you anywhere you could easily Mm -hmm. throw this in a bag um 
yeah so it's yeah i really this is a really cool book uh, a cool addition to the to my star wars library yeah and it's actually it is produced published by disney lucasfilm press but it's also it's from chronicle books actually and yeah one thing i want to point out in the back she talks about she talks about some stuff that i think is it's funny because i use those things and she talks about the app called calm you've probably seen commercials for the calm app on tv yes uh it's, it is a great mindfulness app. I use a couple of different ones, but the Calm app is great. I've used it before. And then she also points out some books and resources for more on mindfulness. One of them I've – well, actually two of them I've used. Uh, one is The Little Book of Mindfulness by Patricia Collard. And then I've done research on UCLA's Mindfulness Awareness Research Center website. So I've actually looked at both of those sources before. So those are really, really good. And I like that she tossed that stuff in there. I didn't even catch that. Um, Is that like at the very end? It's on the very back when she talks about her acknowledgments and stuff, and she puts that in there. Okay, cool. Yep. And I think the last thing I want to say in regards to this is that mindfulness doesn't have to be long. Like I'm literally a mindfulness practice can be five minutes, you know? So even if you just need, like you notice you're getting stressed at work and everything just starts, you know, you have those moments where everything is just coming at you fast and furious, just pull yourself away, take five minutes, mindfulness center, calm. And when you go back into your work, you usually can start to, you know, sort through the chaos a little easier yeah yeah All right. play some like calm music right there i'm just kidding <laughs> and that is the end of and our is... amy radcliffe extravaganza that was said very asmr yeah i was gonna i was gonna go into one of those like backwards countdowns or something <laughs> listen to the sound of your breath as you count down from 14 i've heard some of these things yeah yeah i mean i was gonna go in a different direction but yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right you guys well if you want to get in touch with us between shows you can find us on twitter we're at sw bookworms you can also email us your thoughts i'd love to actually hear some of y'all's mindfulness practices that you do uh star wars bookworms at gmail.com and you can also find us on facebook facebook.com slash star wars bookworms and you can uh, join our Facebook group, which is where sometimes when we'll review a novel, we uh, look for commentary on it in our Facebook group. So you can find that as well and just answer a couple questions so we know you're not a bot and then we'll let you in. Uh, we're also on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to uh, any podcast, pretty much any podcatcher you can find us. And we'd also appreciate it if you leave us a review. And you can find us on social media. You can find me on all social medias as at Ice Cold Penguin. And you can find Aaron mostly on Twitter and Instagram at AV Goings. So until next time. Keep on reading and may the force be with you. <laughs>